0: The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts, here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Matt, it's podcast number 13 that can mean only one
1: catchphrase. The Interplanetary Podcast. Putting the ace back into space. All right, people, what's going on? I can't hear them. Uh, Do you know what, Jamie? I, I've recently discovered that uh, Buzz Aldrin was going a bit kind of egotistical. Go on. Because, um, yeah, because he came up to me and he said, I was the second man on the moon. Kneel before me. Oh. Now, I'd like people to
0: tweet in and say whether you think Matt should carry on doing this podcast or not, or whether it should just be me, based <laughs> on that joke. Let's move on. <laughs> Matt, apparently... Um, Apparently someone's sent a, a, a pie into space. I'd like you to tell me more about it.
1: So uh, I got, I, I got uh, an email from uh, a listener called Rob Blackham. Big up yourself, Rob. The BBC called this the pie at night. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yes, someone sent a, a pie into space. My first question is why? Well, the aim is to see if its journey up to 30 kilometres high will change the molecular structure of the pie, making it quicker to eat. Interesting. <laughs>
0: You know, sometimes people do these things to try and solve problems that weren't really problems in the first place. This might be one of them. But you know what? Fair play. I still love
1: it. Basically, an an elaborate uh, advert for the World Pie Eating Championships that are being held at Harry's Bar in Walgate in Wigan on the 20th of December. Get yourself down there. Uh, I think that if we turn up, we might get a free pie. I think we should. I think we should
0: now. Yeah, please.
1: Chicken and leek for me, please. So I'm assuming it's how quick you can eat these pies. Yeah, that is true. Bill Kenyon of Ultimate Purveyors from St. Helens was commissioned to make the pie, and he said, this is the first steps to enable mankind to consume pies with more elegance and comfort. Oh, yes. I like it. <laughs> Neither the sky nor the pie should be the limit. <laughs> Good. Way too many puns at this early. Oh, it's just ridiculous. And then he goes on and says, the pie will be tested to the extreme. Its structural integrity will be tested against the potential rigours of being served by a grumpy pie lady from Wigan or being transported from (laughs) delivery in a pie van. That's very stereotypical. (laughs) But hits a a pothole in Hindley. (laughs) Well, hang on a minute. Let's just
0: talk science for a second. When this thing... Mm -hmm re-enters the Earth's atmosphere,
1: surely it's just going to disintegrate into absolutely nothing. See, so this this brings me on to my next point about, did it actually go into space? OK. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so, therefore, we need to define um, what is... Where, where does space begin, Matthew? Well, OK, so space is often defined by a thing called the Kármán line. Mm. Now, the Kármán line uh, has an altitude of 100 kilometres. So that's uh, how many miles is that Jamie? You're good 62, at converting. 62 isn't it? 62? No, 65? 62? 62. No, oh, 65. 62. 62. Yes. 62. There we go or or 330,000 feet. So that's above sea level and uh, this is defined by the Fédération Aéronautique Internationale. Lovely. Uh, yeah, you know the FAI oh, yeah. which is the you know con- considered the standard international body for aeronautics and astronautics yeah. and NASA use that figure as well so they're, they're they're happy with this 100 kilometer so really the pie only made it into the stratosphere not not even the mesosphere where meteors burn up so I don't think it will burn up on re-entry but I think it will probably freeze in the stratosphere because it's very cold up there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, good good work, chaps,
1: but um, must try harder. Now, just as an interesting side to that, there were three NASA X-15 pilots that in 2015, oh no, 2005, mm. were awarded their astronaut wings. Oh, nice. Yeah, because they'd flown over this... Um, Carmen line. Oh, that's lovely. Two of them, unfortunately, was posthumously, oh. but one of them managed to get his astronaut wings while still alive.
0: Well, that is that is a lovely thing.
1: It is. Now there are other other people define it slightly differently. So an international law discussion defines the lower boundary of space as the lowest perigee attainable by an orbiting space vehicle. Okay. Uh and so so if you if you allow for atmospheric drag, the lowest altitude at which an object in a circular orbit complete at least one full revolution is approximately 90 miles right so 150 right. kilometers high so that again that's way higher than the meat pie <laughs> yeah but then saying that the meat pie did go almost three times higher than the uh, the stargazer that was carrying pegasus xl to its launch the other day, which was a really exciting one. really? Yeah, yeah. We talked about it on the last podcast and it happened. I watched it twice because the first uh, attempt was aborted and then they did it again. Uh, and it was completely successful. So, um, get some figures out. Yeah, uh, here we go. So, that yeah, the Stargazer flies to approximately 39,000 feet. Right. So, that's um, compared to the 100,000 feet that the meat pie attacks. Well, the stakes are high. <laughs> <laughs> I had yes! to do one.
0: We've got to that. do one.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Cygnus actually then flew off on the uh, Pegasus XL. Yeah. Do you know what was written on the uh, fairings of the Pegasus go XL? It had a name uh, Orbital. ATK decided to name it after me. It was called Matthew. No You would have thought they'd have asked me if it was okay. Well,
0: but- we'll let them off.
1: For now. I don't mind, because, you know, it's a, it's a fitting tribute, I think. Yeah, I, I like that. So it launched eight satellites, this thing, a sort of constellation of pairs of satellites. Nice. Uh, that uh, will uh, look at things like the uh, Hurricane Matthew. Ah, yes. Maybe that has something to oh, do it with it. Oh, could I don't be. Know. Uh, Surrey Satellites, here in the UK, Lifey just job. down the road from where I live, helped make these things. Good work, chaps. And chap esses. They go a lot higher than the meat pie, however. I think they're like something like 350 kilometres. Yeah, you'd be high. worried if they didn't. They're whizzing around now, and that was a perfectly successful launch. So, uh, in, in conclusion, I don't think the meat pie did actually go into space. Ah, oh,
0: well, you know, good effort, lads and lasses. And, uh, you know, get yourself down to the... Uh
1: Get yourself down to the festival. Yeah, well, it was a good video as well. And there's nothing better than those balloon videos where things go up and you get a little Lego model waving and you can see the curve of the... Ah, uh, oh, what of it's, you. It's pretty good. What of it? you. I want to do uh, a quick shout-out to one of our listeners. Oh, yeah? Uh, and it, it's very overdue, this one. It's a shout-out to Lee Beat. Aww. who lives in my hometown in Birmingham and he wrote in to say what a fan he was and his, all his family listened to the podcast each week. Really? And so this is a shout Yeah. Yeah, he, gets, he sits there with his family, and they all sit round. So right now they're listening to this going, ah, oh, at last Matt got round to uh, mention him. Blimey, it. guys, so thanks, there really thanks, can't thanks, be Lou. much
0: to do in Birmingham, but thank you anyway. Merry Christmas. Whoa! Just kidding, just, just kidding, in, of course. There's loads
1: to do in Birmingham. Thank there's the canals. There's more canals than Venice, do you? Really? Know? <laughs> yes. Oh yes. <laughs> and not only that, you could say that Birmingham was the uh, start of the modern world, invented the industrial revolution, Jamie. It's the most important city in the world today. Mm, uh Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll go with that. It's a very international podcast, this Jamie, really we have lots of international listeners, so uh, if you ever want a brilliant holiday, watch the Terry Savalas YouTube clip about Birmingham and how ace it is, and come visit. Come visit Birmingham, good curries too. Yeah, uh, excellent, oh yeah, if you want a good curry, that is actually true. It is true, definitely true. Do you know what, we didn't do much last week, we didn't, well in fact the last couple of weeks we haven't talked about Elon Musk and SpaceX. No, oh, it's been a while, it has been a while. Well, you know, particularly considering a lot of people use the podcast down the pub as a drinking game yes. and they have uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk bingo.
0: Well, it's that time of year. We w- we want you to get a few drinks inside you. So let's start off by talking about how,
1: well, Mr. Trump has just given him a- a- an appointment. Am I right? He, he has. Yes. Yeah, so Elon Musk is now on some economic advisory board, which I think is a good thing, isn't it? It can't be a bad thing. Well, particularly considering he's very much on the uh, global warming, non-denial side. Absolutely. Which is good. It gives me confidence that at least somebody in his cabinet um, is, uh, is is thinking <laughs> not from the denier. right plate. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, what isn't good, however, is uh, that the S- SpaceX first crew launch has definitely been moved back now until the earliest of May 2018. Oh, no way well how come well, I think really a lot of it is to do with the uh t- september the first anomaly that's that's actually put put SpaceX behind in their schedule uh, you know really badly behind in their schedules Uh, and it turns out you know SpaceX won't fly again this year so September the 1st was the last time that we even had a Falcon on the launch pad so yeah so it's been a terrible end to the year for SpaceX I
0: really hope that 2017 is SpaceX's year because I mean they they can't really afford to
1: have too many setbacks, can they? Oh, no, I I think 2017 is now a critical year for uh, SpaceX. I mean, if we're looking at the crew capsules that they're supposed to be making for NASA to take uh, astronauts up to the International Space Station, this is now super critical because the US Space Agency pays Roscosmos $82 million per seat to get up to the International Space Station. And it looks like, really, that they may have missed the deadline to order any more of these seats. So uh, Bill Gerstenmayer of the Human Uh Spaceflight, who's the Human Spaceflight chief, uh, says it's possible that they've missed the deadline to order anything for 2019. So basically... Boeing and SpaceX need to get their acting gear and actually need to start getting uh, astronauts into their crew capsules in 2018 so that they can be certified to do these uh, crew rotation missions. Mm, Yeah, that's important. I mean, they're cheap seats. I think I'll take two. Yeah, well, uh, so yeah, if they wanted to book 2019, they have to do it because it takes Roscosmos... Uh, a couple of years to build enough Soyuz capsules so it, it's it's kind of too late for 2019 and if they did they'd have to stump up $500 million to do it yeah Ooh. that's not an easy feat no fate. it really isn't so uh, yeah so both Boeing and SpaceX are dragging their feet with their uh, manned capsules and, and it really is now a worry for NASA and America getting uh, people up. And it, isn't it unbelievable that since the space shuttle was retired, America has not been able to put yeah. men into 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 orbit, let alone to the moon. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. crazy. So with uh, Elon Musk and all his crazy plans to get to Mars... So far, he's not really doing that well getting people up to the space station. So he needs to pull his finger out. Yeah, you know, you've got a... You don't want to run before you can walk, old Musk boy. No, exactly.
0: Sorry to say it. I'll tell you what another problem is for NASA and and America. And actually the globe, Matthew, Mm -hmm. is that uh, we haven't yet read out... Um, an email from our avid listener in, in Holland, Mr Michael Devlin. No, we haven't. I know that everyone's worried about it. So
1: basically Dev uh, emailed in to point out that uh, Brian May... That's right. ...and his as- asteroid day... Yeah. Uh, ...has now been officially recognised by the UN. Got it. May Day is now in June. Glory. Although it's called Asteroid Day, of course. Not May Day, because it wasn't just him. Yeah. You know, he must be quite chuffed, mustn't he? Ah. Oh. I've got a second I've got a second queen reference. Not only is Brian May in the news, but we've got Galileo. 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 Figaro. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Uh Galileo. I'm amazed this isn't in the news a little bit more, yeah. but uh, yeah, so Galileo is the European GPS system. So at the moment all GPS devices rely on the American military system. Right. The Europeans have switched on this week. They gps system called galileo yeah uh and this is after 17 years of development that's been plagued by delays and budget increases i yes. mean this thing has was supposed to have cost three billion dollars uh, three billion euros mm. and it seems to have cost about 10 billion euros now, uh, so yeah it's, it's, ouch <laughs> oops yes uh we did uh we did actually a couple of uh, weeks ago cover the launch of on the seventeenth uh, of November, of yeah. an Ariane five that was carrying the last four of these satellites that went up. that are still in their commissioning phase. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, the constellation we twenty four satellites with six spares in orbit. So it's supposed to be thirty in total, but I think there'll only be twenty nine because one of them is not working properly already. Um, yeah. Which 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 is which is obviously why you need these spares. This is it. Yeah. So and you get like a position, real time positioning down to a meter or less. So it's much more accurate than the uh, than the GPS system allows us at the moment. Uh, But that might be a sort of that might be a military thing that they only allow us to have a certain amount of accuracy on it. But normally they went up on Soyuz uh, from. From the uh, the Europeanized Soyuz that go from Kourou in French Guiana, yeah, but and and they used, used to go up in pairs, but they've managed to uh, put four up on Ariane Five, and they redesigned Ariane Five so that they they could use both Ariane and Soyuz just in case there was any kind of um, issues with the if the Soyuz got grounded, we still need to be able to launch up these um, uh, Constellation satellites that we talked well, we talked about that last time. Absolutely, uh, these satellites as well were were. Partially built and uh, in uh, Surrey satellites as well, so yes, another triumph for them. Surrey satellites are absolutely killing it. They are definitely one. Uh, they are a very important uh, part of the space industry worldwide. Yes, it's very Hats very cool. Hats off! Hats off to them. Uh, so uh, one thing that I really really liked was that the European Commission yeah. did a competition. Oh yeah, a, a drawing competition, and each member of of the European Union uh, entered the UK. Hmm the winner was called patrick galvin and oh, good work yeah. patrick and he drew a picture of the satellite and each of the satellites is named after the child that won the competition in their particular country and it's uh, the uk satellite is the last one to launch number 2029 20, and that launch is in 2019, so Patrick will, uh, will I think will be about 17 or 18 by the time it launches. Yeah, and the and the satellite itself will be called Patrick. How cool is that? That's awesome. That's, I mean, what I think we need to get that picture up on the blog map. Absolutely, it's going up. X, it's going up. A, a proud Patrick Galvin with a pitch with his picture in his hands. I'm jealous. Good work, Pat. So you know, so in, in in true in a true sense, by the time that last one goes up, we'll have a galvanized. A European GPS system. Good. Thanks, Good. <laughs> 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 uh, oh Do you know what? We have, oh dear. We've, we've rattled through some of this stuff. How, how long I'll are we tell you on? what,
0: we really have. So, I mean, I know it sounds like we're on the sherry, but we're not. <laughs> it's actually like 10 in the morning.
1: One thing, I'm just going back to SpaceX. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism about having the crew on board while they're refuelling. Now, after watching Dragon blow up during yeah, it's a bit scary, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that is scary. But before that explosion, uh, one of the safety officers, uh, a guy called Stafford, wrote in to Gersten Mayer to say, yeah. there is a unanimous and strong feeling by the committee that scheduling the crew to be on board the Dragon spacecraft prior to loading oxidizer into the rocket is contrary to booster safety criteria that has been in place for 50 years, both in country and internationally. Uh, he's basically saying, you know, and that was before the September the 1st explosion. Uh, SpaceX then countered and said, "You know, look, the pusher escape system would be armed and ready to propel the capsule away from the rocket in the event of a major problem during fueling." Right, and that in fact NASA had, had accepted that as a uh, as a you know a perfectly acceptable uh, safety measure, and so it passed the NASA's safety technical review board. Yeah, as uh, Doug Messier in, wrote in his article on Parabolic Arc. That NASA are taking two years to complete their investigation into the previous SpaceX Falcon explosion. Okay. Uh, which 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 SpaceX just put down to some faulty struts. But what happens if it turns out that NASA dig out that Falcon Nine actually has a genuine design fault? That basically the oxidizer go, getting into the composite fuel tanks and and blowing the uh, rocket up. I mean, if this is if this is an inherent design fault in Falcon Nine that could be that could spell the end for SpaceX. Yeah, they need to <laughs> it doesn't really fill you full of confidence, does it? No, so I think you're right. 2017 is a massive year for SpaceX. Big year, you can do it, guys. And I hope that, I know, I hope that they achieve I hope they achieve it. So in November 2017, we have to see demonstration mission 1. Uh, which will be an unpiloted test of the SpaceX Crew Dragon. I like it. Yeah, so it, that that has to happen, and if it doesn't happen, we NASA are in trouble because they ha- won't be able to get astronauts up to the International Space Station. Yeah. So hope hopefully Boeing will be on target, but then it's you know it's quite stressful only having one way of getting well, up. So hopefully there's more than uh, one ways of getting up, Matt. Well, at the moment there isn't. <laughs> There's only Soyuz. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there we go. Matt, haven't we missed something out? Oh my gosh! Yes, you nearly did it again. <laughs> so, ja- Jamie, did you know it's Arthur C. Clarke's birthday? When? Today. Ah. Oh. I know, so he would have been ninety nine. One absolute legend. Happy birthday, wherever you are. Yeah. So, what's brilliant about this, Jamie, is that next week, yeah, as a tribute to Arthur C. Clarke and his ninety ninth birthday, yeah. we shall be reco- we shall be recording the Interplanetary Podcast from arthur c Clarke house oh are we really we are actually going to be doing that so next week listeners it's going to be from arthur c Clarke house and we've got two really interesting interviews uh which we shall reveal next
0: week one absolutely cool exciting podcast and I'll tell you what the next two so we're going to have a recap before christmas of the year and then next mm-hmm. week yeah we're recording from the british
1: interplanetary society wow yep It's going to be awesome. So thanks very much for joining us, listeners. Thanks,
0: guys. Please, as always, um, keep your tweets and your emails coming in. We love reading them. Um,
1: So we'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah, absolutely. See you next week. Bye.